Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Amen. If you'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, uh, we're going to be reading verses 22 through 32 in a moment and verses 36 through 38. We're starting a new series this morning for the Christmas series. It's titled Christmas, Good News in Troubled Times because we need some good news. Amen. Especially this good news. This morning's message is entitled Experience Hope. Experience Hope. You know, every generation is marked by certain events that, that just tend to shape them and, and shape their view of life. One, some of these are referred to by the question, where were you when? Have you ever had somebody ask you that? Because it's, it's an event that just impacted an entire generation. So they say, where were you when? And, and here are a few of the top where were you when, when moments from the last 30 years. Where were you when the Berlin Wall came down or President Reagan got shot? Okay, that's the 1980s to date some of you. I don't know if I was alive back then, but <laughs> just a joke to see if you were awake. Amen. Hallelujah. I was but an infant. Praise you, Jesus. Where were you when the Challenger shuttle exploded on TV? I was in Bible college. I remember that. Where were you when the planes crashed into the Twin Towers on 9-11? I was here in the church office and somebody came running in and said, turn the TV on, turn the TV on. And we saw that. Where were you when it hit you that the COVID-19 pandemic was real and everything was shutting down? That, that'll include some of you younger ones, amen, since we probably <laughs> uh, left you out of the previous ones. But significant events like these things change everything forever. Our lives are not the same afterward. They shape us, they shape our views in ways that we don't even realize. And unfortunately, most of these momentous generation-changing events that indelibly mark us are bad news. Tragedies, disasters, pandemic, negative events. They happen unexpectedly, suddenly, without warning, and they can fill our lives with uncertainty, anxiety, fear, and depression. That's why during COVID, the depression rates just skyrocketed. Anxiety rates skyrocketed, and they're still pretty high right now. But we have been living with COVID now for four years. We've gone through record inflation in the past couple of years. Uh, we've seen war in the Ukraine, now war between Israel and Hamas. We live under the constant threat of terrorism, mass shootings that tragically are becoming more and more common. And then there are the record-setting floods, hurricanes, wildfires, and earthquakes that are taking place that almost every other week there's some catastrophic natural event where you hear the reporter saying, this is a flood of apocalyptic uh, magnitude, you know, like the world is coming to an end, you know, and, and these are things that, well, first of all, they were prophesied in scripture, amen? that these kinds of catastrophic natural events and these kinds of wars, uh, these were labor pains indicating uh, the uh, nearing of Christ's return. Um, but this is the reality of what we are facing on a daily basis. In fact, the closer we get to Christ's return, the stronger these labor pains are going to get, just like a woman's labor gets stronger when, um, when the birth approaches. And the scripture says that men's heart would fail them for fear, except the days were shortened. 
So we see that these things are going to continue to increase. And, and there's no wonder that it has been widely reported that stress, worry, anxiety, depression are at record levels in society. And if ever there was a time that we needed good news, it's now. And the good news is there's good news. It is the good news of a wonderful, positive event that has indelibly changed the world and has the power to change each of our lives for the better. And that event is what we celebrate at Christmas. Now, I know some people might have an objection that Christ wasn't really born on December 25th. You know what? That doesn't matter. We have set this time aside to remember the coming of Christ and what it means for us. Amen? And it's a very important and significant event. And I don't think any time that we celebrate Christ that it, we can do anything wrong. Amen? As long as our focus is on Christ. Amen? But on the first Christmas, the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds in the field and they said, Don't be afraid. Why? Because I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. What was the good news that the angel announced? The good news is that Jesus, the Son of God, has come in human flesh to save the world. Amen? It is the good news that drives fear away. It is the good news that gives us hope, that gives us peace, that gives us joy, and that assures us of God's love for us because Jesus came. And so the four weeks leading up to Christmas is called Advent. And the word Advent in Latin speaks of coming. It speaks of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is always a season of hope. It is a time of expectation as we wait to celebrate Christmas Day, as we wait to celebrate the coming of Christ. And we are sharing in some small sense the centuries-long prophecies of hope, of the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And we also look forward during Advent. We look backward to his first coming, but during Advent, we also look forward to his second coming when he will return to right all wrongs, to judge evil, and to establish his kingdom. So this season is all about hope. Advent is a time of refocusing our heart from the busyness of this world that tends to consume us all year long to remember the story of God's redeeming love for the world. Advent is not a time of putting a smile on your face to cover up our struggle or our pain and pretend that we're having a perfect hallmark Christmas so that we can post pictures all over social media. This season is not about, you know, Black Friday sales or Cyber Monday deals. Amen. It is a season of rediscovering the hope that no matter what we are going through, God loves us so much that he sent his son into this world to be Emmanuel, God with us, and to be Jesus, Yeshua, our Savior. 
This season is about rediscovering hope in the midst of the uncertainty of the chaos that we live in this world. But we can have hope because Jesus came into the, this world, because Jesus is with us, and because he comes into our lives when we invite him by faith to live in us. Amen? And the first Sunday of Advent traditionally focuses on celebrating hope, the hope people felt in their hearts as they waited for the promised Messiah to lead them out of darkness, to lead them out of the difficult times of oppression they were experiencing. This was all about the hope of Christ's coming. And this hope was alive and brightly shining in the heart of two of the characters of the original Christmas story in the book of Luke. This part of the Christmas story is a part that we don't often focus on or hear told. But we're going to look at it this morning, and those two characters are named Simeon and Anna. Read with me, if you will, Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32 and verses 36 through 38. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting, eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, very similar to how we dedicate children to the Lord. They had a practice that at eight days old, they would bring the child to the temple, present him to the Lord. This was also a time of circumcision. It says Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Then skip down to verse 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. I want to be like her. She was still a prophet. She was still preaching and ministering at 84 years old. I want to be like her. Amen. Praise the Lord. God, give me strength. She lived as a widow at the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night. There's the secret to, to youth. Amen. Stay in the temple all the time. Stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to save or rescue Jerusalem. Simeon and Anna were living in very difficult times, very dark times for Israel. The Roman Empire had invaded and they had oppressed uh, uh, Jerusalem and the Jews for many years. Uh, they, uh, they had already suffered centuries of being conquered by other rules, whether it was Assyria, Babylon, Greece, and now Rome. And throughout the centuries of suffering, they kept hearing the prophetic promises of the coming of Messiah, just like how we've been hearing the promises of Jesus' second coming. They were hearing the promises of his first coming, the coming of the Messiah, God's anointed Savior King who would deliver his people and they were anticipating 
that when he came, he would bring a physical de uh, deliverance from their oppressors because they were getting prophecies of both the first coming and the second coming. His first coming, he would come as a savior. His second coming, he's coming as a conquering king to establish his kingdom. They were receiving both sets of prophecies and they, were, they didn't know how to differentiate between the first and second coming. And the second coming somehow seemed more appealing to them that he would come as a conquering king, overthrow their oppressors, and set up his righteous reign. So that's what they focused on. And they were expecting him to come with a physical deliverance from their oppressive rulers and establish his kingdom, the nation of Israel, as an independent nation again. And the hearts of the Israelites were echoed in the cry of the prophet Habakkuk when he cried out, how long, O Lord, how long will we cry out to you and you not hear us and you will not save us? He's crying out, when are you going to fulfill your promise? When are you going to send that savior that you have prophesied? And the coming of the Messiah was the hope that the devout or faith-filled Jews expectantly waited for. It was the longing and anticipation that encouraged and sustained them through the centuries of difficulty, darkness, and uncertain times. And Simeon and Anna had held fast to that hope for their whole life after all those years. And that hope was still burning brightly in their hearts, even when they're in their 80s. And they show us several keys on how we can rediscover hope in the midst of uncertain times as we focus on Christ. The first thing I want us to see is that hope looks beyond the present to the promise. Hope looks beyond the present to the promise. I want to read again a portion of verse 25, but I'm going to read it from the New American Standard Bible. And I often get, you know, asked questions about different versions of the Bible. I will say to, the, to, to you about the New American Standard Bible, it is one of the most accurate translations directly from the original language, whether Hebrew or Greek. And, and so it renders it very accurately from the original language. It may be a little more difficult, the, the, the sentence structure may be a little bit more difficult to understand, but it is extremely accurate. And I'm going to read from there. It says, Simeon was looking forward. That's what hope is all about, right? Looking forward, looking beyond where you are and looking forward to the consolation of Israel. Hope looks forward. Hope looks forward. Hope sees beyond our circumstance to the salvation of the Lord. Simeon and Anna never gave, gave up hope in God. They never gave up hope in his promise, regardless of what they saw in the circumstances around them. Simeon had a promise, not only of the coming of the Messiah, but he had a promise that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And decade after decade passed, but hope still burned brightly in his heart. Folks, don't give up on that prayer that you've prayed. Don't give up on that promise that God has spoken to you because God is faithful. Amen. And if we remain faithful and continue to look forward in hope, we will receive the fulfillment of his promise. Amen. Uh, Simeon was probably in his 70s when this moment that he had waited for his entire life finally happened and he laid eyes upon the baby Jesus in the temple. Now, some people might have been disappointed with the answer. I mean, after all, he's waiting for the salvation of Israel and what he sees is a baby. How is a baby going to save anybody? How could he be the deliverer? But Simeon saw beyond the baby to the one who would be the savior 
of the world. And he saw beyond the darkness of Israel's present situation politically and spiritually to the one who would bring salvation and would be a light to all nations. Because Jesus didn't just come for Israel, amen. He came for all nations, for all people. And that's why we're here today, amen. Because we are those nations, we are those people, amen. Praise the Lord. And, and Simeon praised God saying, verse 29 through 32, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Simeon received the promise he had waited for, and he saw the salvation of the Lord by faith. Amen. Whatever your circumstances, whatever is happening in your world right now, just like Simeon had a promise of the coming of a Savior, we have a promise that he is coming again in victory to judge all evil and to make everything that's wrong right. Amen? And in the meantime, we have the promise that he is Emmanuel, that he is with us right here, right now. He is our Savior he is our healer. He is our helper. He is our deliverer. He is the one who is present with us in the time of trouble. He is our peace. He is our strength. He is our joy. He is our hope. He is our all in all. Amen. And when we hold fast to his promise, we can live in hope, seeing beyond our present circumstance, seeing beyond that sickness in our body, seeing beyond that trouble in our marriage, seeing beyond that difficulty with our son or daughter, seeing beyond our financial need, seeing beyond our depression or anxiety. We can see beyond that to the hope that has been promised us in Christ Jesus. Amen. There is help. There is going to be a healing. There is going to be a deliverance. There is going to be an answer to prayer. And we look forward in expectancy for when it comes. Hope sees beyond the uncertainty to that which is certain. Hope is anchored in the confident faith that God always fulfills his promise. Turn to your neighbor and say, God always fulfills his promise. Amen. Hebrews 11.1, 1, one of my favorite verses, and I'm going to uh, say it from the King James Version. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Amen? The word substance is a powerful word, and one of the meanings in the original Greek is that which is firm that which has real existence, actual existence, that which is real. And you know what? That word substance is actually a legal term from Greek that refers to the documents of ownership for property that are deposited in archives. The document is not the property, but it is the evidence that you own the property. Amen. So some scholars suggest that the word substance should be better translated as a title deed, right? If you have bought a house, there, there is a title deed registered in your name. If you live in Broward, it's in Broward County. If you live in Dade, then it's in Dade. But it's registered in the government archives that that property belongs to you. So think of it this way. You buy a piece of property. You go to the closing. 
You sign documents, a bunch of documents. If you've ever done a closing, it's like, sign here, sign here, 100, day, 100 years later, sign here. You know, it's just paper after paper, okay? And then those documents are filed with the government to state that you are the owner of that piece of property. You may not even have yet moved into that property, but it belongs to you. And faith holds the title deed to that which we have been promised. It holds the title deed to that which we are believing for, even though at present we may not yet possess it. Amen? One writer says, faith lays claim to it because the promise of God can never fail. Hallelujah. So faith says, it's mine, it's real, even though I don't yet see it, even though I don't yet have it, because God's promise cannot fail. Amen? Praise the Lord. God will make it manifest. God will make it real in his time. He will make it manifest as we have accepted it now by faith. In the midst of all the uncertainty in the world and in our life, God's promises are certain. They are sure and they are unfailing. You can hold on to it. And hope worships in the waiting. There's a famous song by that very well-known group, The Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> and the song says, whistle while you work. Da, 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 da. You know the song, right? I think I kind of said it in a way you could recognize, I hope. But Anna, she was singing, worship while you wait. Da, 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 da. Because she was worshiping every day in the temple. Amen? Verse 37 says, she never left the temple and stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She's 84 years old. She's a prophet. She is continually uh, declaring and preaching the word of God. But her age did not slow her down. So you're going to see me by God's grace up here at 84 years old, and I'm going to be preaching the gospel. Amen? If it be God's will. But she spent all her time in the temple. She never left the place of God's presence. She continually worshiped God. And that is where hope is found. Folks, if you're depressed, if you're anxious, start worshiping God. Turn on the worship music. If you're at work, put it in your headphones. Worship God throughout the day. Amen. Hallelujah. It'll lift your spirit. It'll restore your hope. Hallelujah. You can even sing to the Lord. I sing to the Lord. When nobody's around, hallelujah. Because you may not be able to endure it, but the Bible says God loves a joyful noise. And boy, I know how to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Amen. You might plug your ears and go running if you heard it, but God is saying that's sweet music to my ears. Hallelujah. So worship God. You'll see what it'll do for your depression. You'll see what it'll do for your anxiety. Amen. Anna had experienced discouragement and disappointment in life. She lost her husband as a young bride. They'd only been married seven years. But you know what? She didn't sit around feeling sorry for herself. Oh, woe is me. Now I have to go through life all alone. No. She didn't wallow in her sorry, sorrow. She devoted herself to worshiping, to fasting, to praying, to ministering. Hallelujah. And she had been waiting her whole life for the fulfillment of God's promise, the coming of the Messiah. And she worshiped while she was waiting. So Anna's testimony tells us, don't wallow when you can worship while you wait. 
Folks, you can determine how you go through the trial. You can sit around and you can wallow in self-pity and, oh, woe is me, look what I'm going through, and you're going to have a miserable experience. Or you can say, Jesus, I'm going through some hard stuff, but I know you're with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Hallelujah. I know that you're a very present help in the time of trouble. And I lift up your name, O God, and I exalt you because you are right here with me, present in the midst of my trouble. Hallelujah. It'll change the way you go through your trials. Amen? Hallelujah. Anna tells us, don't wallow, worship. We can sit around complaining, despairing, fearing, feeling sorry for ourselves, saying, why me? Or, or why are you taking so long, God? Or we can worship him and say, God, you are great. You are mighty. I thank you for your unfailing love. It's going to make such a difference in the way you go through your trial. Amen. Second principle, hope lifts our eyes to an ever-present God. So hope looks forward, it looks beyond our circumstance to the promise, but secondly, hope lifts our eyes to an ever-present God. We can have hope now because we can experience God's presence now. Amen? We're not just waiting for Jesus to come the second time. Yes, we're waiting for that. But while we wait, we can have hope because he is present with us now. Simeon and Anna encountered Jesus in the temple, and both of them recognized that he was not a mere human, but he was indeed the fulfillment of God's promise. He was God come in human flesh. And the story of Christmas is all about Emmanuel, God with us. That's what the name Emmanuel means. The angel that appeared to Joseph told him that Mary would give birth to a son and instructed him to name the baby Jesus, and then said they will call him Emmanuel, which means... God with us. So the name Jesus describes what he would do for us. He would save us from our sins. But the name Emmanuel describes who he is. He is God with us. Hallelujah. Folks, we can know God. We can experience God. We can feel God. We can speak to God. He will hear us. He will come to us. And he will make himself known in our daily life as we seek him, as we place our faith in him, just like Simeon and Anna did. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. But I want you to notice something. There were a whole lot of people in the temple that day who did not recognize Jesus. They didn't even know anything special was going on. But because Simeon and Anna were fervent seekers of God, they immediately recognized that baby to be the promised Messiah. If we will seek God daily, we will have eyes to recognize God's presence in everyday encounters and situations. Several years ago when I had a different vehicle, um, I had been having some problems and later on I found out it was something about the engine block being cracked or whatever and they ended up having a recall on it or, or what have you. But anyway, I um, pulled up at the light here on University and Johnson and I was waiting for the light to turn green with the arrow. And as the light turned green with the arrow, I stepped on my gas and absolutely nothing. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this... Johnson and University is a very dangerous intersection. I mean, virtually every day they're having accidents out there. But anyway, um, just about that time, I'm, I'm like, okay, Jesus, help me. What am I going to do? And out jumped 
Pastor Jose, who happened to have pulled in right behind me. He was our former youth pastor. And then a guy, I don't know where he came from, that was as big as Pastor Jose. Remember, Pastor Jose was like a bodybuilder. Another guy, as big as Pastor Jose, came running from across the street. I didn't see any vehicle there or anything. And he said, come on, come on, we'll push your car. And they pushed me through the turn and the intersection. And, and then I turned around to thank the guy, and he was gone. You know what? I saw God's activity. First of all, for Pastor Jose to have pulled in behind me at that exact moment, and then for this guy to show up out of nowhere, I believe that that was God that was making himself available to help me. Amen? Folks, if you'll stay in his presence in worship and in prayer, you're going to see how God shows up in your life in everyday circumstances all the time. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. We can have hope because we are never alone, even in our darkest moments. God being with us doesn't mean that we won't face trials and difficulties, but it means that he is present with us to strengthen us, to comfort us, to help us, and to turn our seemingly hopeless situations around for his good and our glory. I'll never forget being in the hospital after my surgery. Um, some of you are new, so you might not know, but I had stage three cancer, and I had to have surgery to remove a tumor from me that was about, on this side, uh, 23 centimeters uh, large, as well as uh, other organs that they had to remove. And um, they had to cut me basically from my pelvic bone almost all the way up to my breastbone, so it cut all of my core muscles. And they told me, you're gonna be in severe pain and what have you. Well, anyway, I remember the day that the nurse came the day after the surgery to tell me, now you got to get up out of bed. And I am in such pain. And so she comes to help me up. And the moment she tries to pull me up, the pain just shoots through my whole body. And I just said, Jesus. And she immediately said, you can do all things through Jesus. She started quoting scripture to me. You can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens. And you know what? I know in that moment that God sent that nurse to help me in that hour of extreme pain. Amen? Folks, if we would just keep our spirits tuned to him, we're going to see his activity in every area of our life all the time. Because you know what? When you walk with him, you are never alone. Never. An evangelist friend of mine named Martha Tennyson, some of you who've been here for a while, you know her. She's ministered here on multiple occasions, but she shared the story of when she was a child in school and she had a pair of shoes that were the hottest fashion of her day. They were called saddle shoes. I don't know if you remember them, but they were black on the heel and black on the toe and then they had like a white saddle uh, uh, across them. So anyway, that was the, the hot shoe of her day. And so some bullies came at school and surrounded her threatening to beat her up and take her shoes. And so even as an adult, even as an adult, Martha Tennyson is only about five foot two and probably weighs about 90 pounds soaking wet. She's very small framed, amen? And these kids were much bigger than her. So at first when they start threatening her, of course, you know, she, she feels afraid, but then suddenly she looks beyond this group of kids and she sees her big brother walking towards her. And suddenly she said she felt confidence rise up inside of her. And she said, you go ahead and try to take my shoes if you can. <laughs> Folks, we have a big brother named Jesus. 
and whatever we may face, we can have the assurance of hope that he is always with us. He is there to walk with us, to watch over us, to protect us, to defend us, to fight our battles for us. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. That is the hope that we have in Emmanuel, Christ Jesus. And because we have experienced that hope in Christ, we can share that hope with others. Anna was so overjoyed to see the long-awaited gift of God, to, to meet that hope that had come into this world in Jesus, that her heart just overflowed. And verse 38 says, she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Anna's hope overflows as she shared Jesus with everyone she could. Folks, when we have experienced Jesus, our hearts ought also to overflow with the hope that we have found in him. And we too will want to tell everybody that they can also have this hope because folks, the world needs hope and they're waiting expectantly for something or someone that can give them the help, the hope, the peace, the joy that they need. And we know who it is. We know his name is Jesus. Amen. So we ought to be telling everybody about the hope that we have found in Jesus. What would it be like if some doctor discovered the cure to cancer and didn't tell anybody about it? We have the cure to what ails mankind. Let us not be guilty of not telling people about him. Amen? We know the hope of the world. His name is Jesus, and we ought to tell everybody. And I want to give you a very real opportunity to do so next Saturday, right here at 1030 in the morning. We're going to go out into our community, into the neighboring areas, and we're going to tell people about the hope that is found in Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you've experienced the hope of Jesus, join us next Saturday, 1030 a.m., right here, so that we can go out and share that hope with others. And everybody said... Amen. Praise the Lord. So I look to see you next Saturday. Praise God. But both Simeon and Anna, they were waiting for Jesus. They lived with the hope and expectancy that God would indeed fulfill his promise. And even when they saw Jesus as an infant, their heart overflowed. Some, folks, sometimes you just got to be sensitive because, you know, we wait to praise God till we see the full manifestation of the promise or the full manifestation of the answer. But we, we fail to see God beginning his work in the little things and give him thanks for the little things that he's doing. Amen? But they saw, they saw his promise as a little thing. It, 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 at that point, it was baby Jesus. But you know what? That didn't stop him from saying, God fulfilled his promise. Jesus is here. The Savior of the world has arrived. Hallelujah. So you look for God doing the small things. You may not have yet received the full promise or the full answer, but celebrate the small things in anticipation of the fullness of what God is going to do and give God praise, amen? So they saw Jesus as an infant. Their hearts overflowed with confident expectation that here is the Savior of the world. Their hope endured the darkness of the times that they were going through. It endured their own personal difficulties like uh, Anna being widowed at a young age and they spent they devoted their time worshiping God and they devoted themselves to live lives of seeking and serving God and because of that even in their old age they were living hope-filled fruitful 
purposeful lives proclaiming the message of Jesus. Our times may be dark with all that is happening in the world. And we may also be dealing with personal difficulties and disappointments, but we should be looking up and waiting for Jesus, living in the hope that he will return again soon. Anna and Simeon were waiting in the hope for his first coming. We're waiting in the hope for his second coming because God has promised us that Jesus is coming again soon and he's gonna make all things wrong and he's gonna make them right again, amen? Everything that's wrong, he's gonna make it right again. And we live in that hope. The Bible said, you know, the term that the, the, the uh, theologians use for the second coming of Jesus for the church, the first part of his second coming is called the rapture when the church is gonna be caught out of the world before the judgment that is poured out on the earth. And, and that rapture is called the blessed hope. Folks, it's not something to dread, it's not something to be fearful of, it's something to look forward to. And you know, sometimes I speak to young people and they're like, no, no, pastor, I don't want Jesus to come back yet. I have so much life I wanna live. Let me tell you something. When he comes and takes you away to the place he has prepared for you, nothing that you thought you wanted here on this earth is gonna mean anything because it's gonna be so wonderful and so glorious and so much better than anything that you could have experienced here on this earth but we should devote ourselves to seeking and serving God every day, to telling as many people as we can about Jesus. True hope is found in Jesus. We have that hope and others need to hear it. And for those of you that are here this morning, I want you to know the first step to finding that hope is to repent of our sins and place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us are sinners. And because we're sinners, the Bible says that we are already doomed to an eternity of judgment. But we have hope through Jesus Christ because Jesus died for our sins so that when we repent and place our faith in Christ, we can be forgiven of all of our sins and we can be brought into right relationship with God and we can have the hope of eternity in his presence and the hope of his help here on earth. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and you would say, uh, Pastor, pray for me. I want that hope. I want to repent of my sins and receive Jesus as my Savior. I want to know that I'm forgiven, that I have a right relationship with God, and that heaven is my eternal home. If that's you this morning, or maybe you say, I gave my heart to Christ several years ago. I've drifted away. Pray for me, Pastor. I want to come back. If you fit into either of those categories and you say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for another, 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 another. Is there anyone else? Thank you for another hand. Is there anyone else? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. There's about six people that raised your hand. I'm going to ask you to do. Praise the Lord. Yes. God celebrates. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing, if you would is to just pray a simple prayer with me. It's not my words, my words are not special, but it is your heart in faith. As you pray this sincerely, God is gonna hear you and do exactly what you ask him to do. Church, pray along with these that are praying it for the first time. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. And I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life and I turn to you in faith. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, and I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. 
in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. I congratulate you on making the best decision of your life. Amen. And I welcome you to the family of God. But I do want to say that that prayer was just the beginning of a lifelong journey of learning to, to love and to serve the Lord. And we want to help you in that journey by sending you free of charge a little e-booklet that's going to help you understand the prayer you just prayed and the next steps to take to keep growing in your relationship with God. We want to send that to you free of charge, but to do that, we need your email address. So if you've got your cell phone with you, if you'll take it out and just text your email address to the number on the screen, and we will send that little e-booklet to you. So if you do that right now, we would greatly appreciate it. But one once again, congratulations on making the best decision of your life. For those of us who are already believers, I want to ask you, are you living in hope? Are you living expectantly? Not only for Jesus' presence and his help and his healing and his deliverance here on this earth, but living expectantly that Jesus could come back at any moment. Amen? And in the meantime, are we living lives of, of praise and worship while we wait? While we wait. And are we devoting ourselves to seek and to serve him daily and to share the hope of Jesus that we have found with everybody that we can, just like Anna went telling everybody about Jesus? Folks, that's what it means to live in hope. And if you would say today, I want to live in hope hope. I want to look forward with expectancy to not only what God will do in my life in this world, but to his second coming. And I want to live in worship every single day. And I want to live telling people about Jesus. If that's your heart's desire, would you stand to your feet and let's make that commitment to the Lord. Just stand to your feet. Hallelujah. If this is your commitment. Hallelujah. Just say a prayer to the Lord right now and make that commitment to live in hope as we have defined it today. Just lift up your own voice as I pray over us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the gift of your son Jesus because in him we have found hope. Father, as we stand before you today, we make a commitment, Lord, that we want to live in hope every single day. We don't want to get bogged down with discouragement and anxiety and depression by what we see around us. We want to look up and look forward to your promise, all that you have promised to do for us in this life and the promise of Jesus coming again. Help us to keep our eyes fixed upon that, Lord God. And while we wait, Help us, Lord, to cultivate a lifestyle of worship, of praise. And Lord, today as we stand before you, we devote ourselves to telling everyone that we can about the hope that is found in Jesus. Because as we tell others about that hope, our hope is renewed, Lord God. So we commit ourselves to this today. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.